Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Go to the first chapter. I'm going to start with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place under these circumstances. When his mother Mary had been promised in marriage to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And her promised husband Joseph, being a just and upright man and not willing to expose her publicly and to shame and disgrace her, decided to repudiate and dismiss or divorce her quietly and secretly. But as he was thinking this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of and from and out of the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, the Greek form of the Hebrew Hebrew word Joshua, which means Savior. For he will save his people from their sins, that is, prevent them from failing and missing the true end and scope of life, which is God. And all this took place that it might be fulfilled, which the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall become pregnant and Give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, when translated, means God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took her to his side as his wife. But he had no union with her as her husband until she had borne her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. We started this message last week, and I won't go into a lot of uh, repeat, but we started this, this message last week, and most of you know I'm not a traditionalist. Just because it's Christmas season doesn't mean I'm going to preach on that particular theme. But this year, the Lord laid this one on my heart, and I felt that I needed to, to preach it. Of course, Advent means the looking forward to of a prominent person or a prominent event. And last week, we talked about the call of the Advent. We talked about the history from Genesis to Malachi and how throughout the ages, for 4,000 years, the Lord kept dropping hints that there's a prominent person coming, the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who will land in earth and place his heel on the head of the serpent and crush the serpent's head. And so mankind for 4,000 years in Judaism has been looking forward to the deliverer. God went through elaborate means to get it here. He gave us types and shadows and the law and all these things. And he developed a great history. But when this happened, it came out of a 400-year silence. Between Malachi and Matthew, there's 400 years, nothing, nothing was heard of. Nothing, no one was prophesying the Messiah. We talked about the setting of the culture and how 
the, the Jewish kingdom of Israel was oppressed underneath Roman tyranny. And, and even though they were allowed to govern themselves, they were still being watched. Everything they did watched by Rome and governed by Rome and overruled by Rome. And so society had a, had a bad taste in its mouth. Culture had a bad taste in its mouth because uh, idol-worshiping people were coming into their region now, these people who served one God. They were coming into the region and they were doing all kinds of unseemly things and introducing all kinds of ungodliness into a culture of, of righteousness. The church was angry. Society was angry. There were zealots rising up, and there were uprisings going on all the time. Herod was a puppet king. Even though Herod the Great was a powerful king, he was also a puppet king. He was on the take from Rome. And as bad as it sounds, in the time of Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, the high priest and the church elders were on the take from Rome. And so even in the, in the midst of the anger of the filth and the trash that was being brought in socially into Israel, the church was buddying up to the culture in order to get kickback. And at this moment came the pregnancy of time when history met up with culture and the timing was right and suddenly there were signs in the heavens angelic visitations wise men coming who watched the stars and knew the signs and they were coming with announcements that the time is right the pregnancy of time is here you and I know that when Jesus was born he split time in half B.C. and A.D. Scholars say that Jesus was born, they believe, according to what they can demise from Herod's death, that he was born about April, in the month of April, during 4 B.C. And last week, we talked about all of that ripeness for the call, for the timing. How many knows that God has an importance in timing? getting things lined up, getting things where they need to be so that when that event happens that God has on his heart, it is right. It is the right time. It is the right players. It is the right people. It is the right circumstances. And it is ripe for the world. Mm. Mary got her call by an angelic visit. We talked about this last week. And the most important verse in all of that was the acceptance of the call. Mary could have rejected because by accepting the call, it put her in a vicarious situation. But she believed the angel. She believed what the Lord had to say. When Gabriel told her, you will bring forth a son, she asked him, how can this be? I've never even been with a man. Now remember, scholars think she was about 14 years of age. She was just a child. Most of us in here would, would grimace at the thought of our child at 14 having a baby. Yet God knew the, understood the culture of the time and knew the right young lady to call upon. It had to be someone of extraordinary character, someone of a godly origin who loved God more than her way and her want and her desire. 
And so when the angel showed up, he gave her the answer, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. So Mary got the call. She got the visitation. But how many understand that the call of God can be intrusive in your life? And this was an intrusive interruption into the life of Mary. She's just about to be married. She's already been promised. In fact, uh, in Jewish culture, a betrothing is the same as a marriage. You can't just get out of that contract. You have to divorce. That power laid in Joseph's hands, not in Mary's hands. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. She also got the prophetic word, and she became so excited at the prophetic word. How many remember the time that you, you recognized not only you were born again, but God had a purpose in your life? And then someone, the Lord allowed someone to speak a prophetic word over you, and that prophetic word brought excitement in you, and it said, yes, down on the inside. Mary heard this, and she went, yes. What it would be to be the mother of the Messiah. What it would be to bring the deliverer into the world. What it would be to be that person who, who played such an important role in the, in the future of Israel. Then came the confirmation. Because as soon as she said yes to what the angel had to say, he told her about Elizabeth and the fact that Elizabeth, who was too old to bear children, is now six months pregnant. And you need to go check this out as a confirmation that the word that I have brought you shall come to pass. And so she made an immediate trip. She had just conceived in that moment, made an immediate trip, spent three months with Elizabeth. But after the confirmation, and how many remember, know, remember that story? When she got there and she met up with Elizabeth, they had church. Come on now. This is a Pentecostal house. They had church. Because the moment she came in, she said, Elizabeth. And suddenly the baby leaped in her womb. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth began to prophesy. She began to prophesy, thou art blessed among women. Oh, what you're about to do, Mary. Wow, just at the sound of your voice, the child in you, the blessing that rests upon your life. I don't know if Elizabeth had ever prophesied in her life, but she became a prophet in this moment. She began to prophesy, and she prophesied how powerful this gift was on the inside of Mary and how it affected her child, the only child that was born filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And so they had church for three months, she stayed and she witnessed the miracle. And just before Elizabeth had delivered John the Baptist, Mary went home to encounter the reality of what was going on in her calling in her life. How many understand that everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ is called? We, we, we get in our head that you can only be called if you're going to stand behind a pulpit. No, 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 no. This is just a gift to the body. But you have a gift for the body. You have a call. You have a purpose. Some of us are administrators. Some of us are hospitality people. We're just good at serving people and loving people. 
We're, we're good at bringing people into our home and cooking pork loin. Mm-hmm. I won't go any further. Especially in a good Jewish setting, that would not go over well. <laughs> but we all have a call. We all have a purpose. And sometimes we, we get it all off track. We put all of the focus on the man behind the pulpit or the person in the place of prominence, what we, we deem prominence. But the truth is your call is just as important as mine. Your gifting just as important because we are our body fitly joined together. All of us supporting one another, helping one another, encouraging one another that we might keep the message of Christ alive and well in each other and keep each other encouraged in the journey. Today's message title, if you give me the next screen, is The Cost. Last week was The Call. This week is The Cost of the Advent. The Cost. I've got, according to that clock, about 15 minutes, but i got a late start. You're here for the duration. That wasn't, nobody laughed too awful hard on that. <laughs> he said, we know you're serious. Now, now Mary's encounter and confirmation must come home to the reality. She has said yes, but now she must face the music. Because what was Mary's reality? She was espoused. She was promised. She was engaged in an arranged marriage. And she said yes, but now she's got to face the situation. Contracts have been signed. And a child in, in Judaism in the ancient days could be espoused at the age of 12. But she was about 14 according to all of what we know from history. She's just a young girl. But she's pregnant out of wedlock. And even though she knows this is of God, no one else knows that. And have you ever tried to explain a supernatural act to a natural world? Mm, you're following my line of thinking. You see, a Jewish girl once delivered to her husband by her father. She never returns home, and now... Her, she is her husband's property. When she lived with daddy, whatever money she might have made from crafts or things that she did or, or odd jobs that she did belonged to daddy. But now she belongs to her husband. I know it's different than our culture, but I just want you to understand what she's up against. She is now, her, she is now technically Joseph's property. She hasn't been delivered yet. She hasn't been to his house. But the moment her papa brings her to Joseph's house, she becomes his property. And in ancient times, when she became his property, her income became his property. Her children became his property. We still see this in the Muslim culture. In the day, genealogy meant everything in the Jewish culture. And in the first century, children, especially male, were of the utmost importance. And to violate the marriage vow by pregnancy before being married was very damaging. 
A pregnant girl out of wedlock would have been terrified. In Jewish culture, children had to be born within a marriage to be recognized as legitimate people. Something we don't even think about now. It's become such common practice in our culture. We don't even think about it. But genealogy was everything, and it was the right to your social standing. And illegitimate children were shunned and considered social outcasts. And they could never arise to a place of prominence outside of a genealogy. This is why Joseph plays such an important role in this story. Because most pregnant girls outside of marriage had to leave their family, had to leave their home, had to leave their community with no one to take them in because they were excommunicated and shunned. She also faced being sold possibly into slavery or being banished from her ethnicity. She couldn't even call herself a Jew. Being turned out alone to fend for herself which often led to prostitution in most cases. And sometimes, in extreme cases, in public shamings, they were stoned. And often, if possible, if it was able to be hushed and kept private, she could be married off to somebody quietly. And that was the best case scenario. This was no easy thing that Mary was up against. Think of this, a 14-year-old girl up against a social construct like this, having, even though you've got the promise of God, trying to convince a natural world, even though she lived in a people who should have been a supernatural understanding people, who's going to believe this story? Even though they know that's a sign to look for, who's going to believe it? This, this is the position that her call put her in. Now, it's fun to get the call. It's fun to hear the prophetic message. But sometimes the call of God will put you in some really tight places. Mm. Joseph was an honorable man. He was going to put her away privately and divorce her or break the covenant with Mary's father. That act would have left Mary to face one of these scenarios that I just gave you. It would have left the Messiah, think of this, without any legitimacy. And no matter his awesome works here on the earth, he would have never been recorded in history. Joseph was a kind-hearted man, so he was going to privately put her away. But now think about this. He gets the news, the woman who's been promised to me, the one I can't wait to take as my own is pregnant? Come on now, this is before the Lord spoke to him. Can you imagine what his heart must have done? Can you imagine how he must have felt? And thinking he knew her character, why would she do this to me? He had to be heartbroken. He had to be disappointed. He had to feel betrayed. He had to feel rejected. Joseph, like his namesake, was a dreamer. And he was someone who could interpret the dream of God. And God gave him the dream. And in that dream, an angel showed up and explained to him what he was up against. 
and told him not to be afraid to take Mary because this really was a supernatural work of God. And thank God Joseph took Mary with that child and never claimed his marital rights until after the birth of the Messiah. That's a big man. And Mary's call put not only her but Joseph at great risk. Think about this for just a moment. The cost of this call was life or death. If Joseph didn't look favorably and act as an honorable man, having taken the word of God to his heart, this could have very well ended in death for Mary. Hmm. Often our excitement in our initial call will turn sober when we realize the cost. And when God's call is on your life, it can put you at odds with culture. Because anything in Christ is counterculture. Anything you do in Jesus is rowing against the tide of popularity. Hmm. Often the call will put us at odds with society because society don't accept spiritual teaching. They don't accept spiritual truth. And they might even make you an outcast or consider you delusional. And the place you should be embraced the most Oftentimes, when you recognize the call of God and you've got the word of God and you're so excited and you just want to tell the whole world, God has called me, God loves me, he's got something for me to do. And that's the way we should always face our call. But oftentimes it becomes sobering when we come and find that we're at odds with our family who thinks we're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They don't understand Often our friends, they gossip and they mock and they laugh and they make fun of us and they say, oh, you'll be back. The call will usually put you in a difficult place. Often no one understands you or why you do what you do. Prayer? Every Tuesday night. Fasting at the first of the year. You're constantly in the Word, listening to tapes, watching TV. I just dated myself. You're always at church, and you don't even listen to a good country beer-drinking, crying song anymore. All you listen to is, really, Christian TV? And why are you at that church so many hours? And why do you think you have to volunteer for everything the church does? What they don't understand is the life it brings you, the joy it brings you, the understanding it brings you, the learning it brings you, the fellowship it brings you, the heart that it brings you. And then you go do stuff like visit prisons. You know that's dangerous. Some people go to strip clubs. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. Hey, but you know what? If, you, if, if somebody doesn't have heart enough to go into their world and bring Christ to them, how are they ever going to find Christ in there? Mm. Really? All the time you spend on street corners and under bridges? What's wrong with you? But try to explain the supernatural to a natural world. It makes no sense why you would do these things. They'll look at you like you're from another planet. The call of God can be exciting and exhilarating, but it can also be offensive and burdensome. And this is going to really separate your head from your shoulders and imprisoning. You're going, what? Aren't we set free from the prison? Yes, from the prison of sin. But let me, let me demonstrate my, my thought process to you. How many of you ever heard the call of God on your life and then tried to ignore it? How's it working for you? Hmm? The most miserable people in the world are people who are trying to ignore the call of God on their life because they've had an experience with God and now they're trying to run the other way. And they'll sit on a bar stool and they'll tell you how jacked up you are. You need God in your life. Why? Because they can't get away from the call. They can't get away. And so even in an inebriated situation, they're telling you what you need, that God is the answer. Why? Because they know God is the answer. And they can't get away from it. Are you still with me? They can't get away from it. You can't ignore it. It won't go away. Lay your head on the pillow at night when you're far from God and you know you have a call on your life and you know you've been to the altar of salvation. You lay your head on the pillow at night and tell me you don't believe there's a God. He won't let you sleep. You'll never forget because you know why? Because the word says that the call of God is without repentance. He won't bring it back. He gave it to you and he expects you to do something with it. And if you don't, it's on you, baby. Because he gave it to you. He wants you to carry it out. He wants you to walk it out. He wants you to flesh it out. He wants you to live it out. He wants you to be the demonstration of what it is he's done in your heart and in your life to everybody you come in contact with. So carrying the supernatural understanding and insight into a natural world can be isolating and dangerous, and it will create enemies. But if you, like Mary, accept the call of God, you will embrace the call. All of the call. You'll embrace the excitement, the exhilaration, the honor, the position, the accolade, and the reward. Mm. You'll accept the isolation and the misunderstanding and the ridicule and the mockery and the danger and the selflessness and the heartbreak and the correction and the work of the ministry and submission to God and the hardest one of all, the submission to delegated authority and constantly learning. The call of God, ladies and gentlemen, is an honor. I'm going to let that hang in the air for just a moment. If you're streaming, God bless you. Listen to me. Listen to my words. The call of God is an honor. 
Many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? God blanketed the earth with the call. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that lives on planet earth or has ever lived has received the call of God to come into his fold and to live in a righteous state. But the chosen are those who take the call, embrace the call, make the call their own, live out the call. Even in the midst of your failures, your slips and your stumbles, you get back up, you keep on going, you keep influencing, you keep reaching, you keep, you keep preaching, you keep telling, you keep being sweet, you keep inviting people to your house, you keep, you keep handing people presents, you keep doing the things that God has called you to do. You still go underneath bridges, you still hand coffee to someone who needs a cup of coffee. You're there, you're there, you're there, you're there, you're there. Because the call of God is an altar. And the chosen accept the challenge. And those who reject the call never escape the knowledge of their choice. Like little Mary, God will sometimes put a global impact upon your spiritual shoulders. We all marvel because pastors can garner over a thousand people or they'll have 10,000 or 15 or 30,000 in a stadium somewhere. That is impressive. Praise God. But it's just a gift. It's a call. It doesn't make you more important than anybody else in the body of Christ. Don't get yourself all puffed up in what it is God's called you to do or how many souls you can garner or gather. Stay steady at what it is God's called you to do. And don't look to the left nor to the right, but do what God's told you to do and flesh out what God's told you to do. Mary, think about that. 14-year-old girl has a global impact in this one act. Like little Mary, you'll have sometimes things placed upon you that you just are blown away by. But think if Mary had failed, what would have happened? Could there have been another young virgin girl in that time and region setting who would have said yes to God and call in his challenge if Mary had said no? And if she had said no, would the Messiah have never been able to enter the earth for his mission Huh? I want you to see the whole balance of the truth here. The call is costly. The call of God is both exhilarating and scary, wonderful and terrifying, because it has everlasting, eternal consequences. If Mary hadn't fulfilled her mission, we would have never been able to make it to an altar of salvation, and we'd still be sacrificing animals to cover our sins. Now, God is sovereign, and he can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, but, and he doesn't need our permission to do it, but he values mankind so much that he chooses not to do his will without us agreeing with him in the bending of our will for his purposes. Is this hitting home?
Mm. What an awesome loving God we have. Mary took a great risk to accept God and his call and his will for her life. And she carried the stigma of a girl of tainted and deceptive nature to her grave. All because she loved God. And she accepted his call. Even though we call her highly favored, and some church institutions probably take it too far, we lift her in high esteem for what she did. God did not fail her in that word. Yet her own people, those who knew her best and her family members and those around her, always held her with one eye cocked, one eyebrow up in a moment of suspicion. Always thinking in the back of her mind, who, where, what, when. Not only did Mary have the responsibility of birthing him, and we're going to get into this next week, she had the responsibility of staying with him until he was mature and right and ready and seasoned. Our call doesn't end with a supernatural sign. Our call doesn't end with a word. Our call doesn't end in that moment of exhilaration when we first get started. That's just the starting gate. The chosen stay with their call through thick and thin. The chosen stay on the pathway of righteousness from beginning to end. The chosen stay there, waiting for the sound of the trump, doing what they know to do, not just sitting somewhere gathering food for some far-off day. No, we get busy about the Father's business. Now, don't take that as condemnation, what I just said. If you store food for, for situations, you do that. You need to. It's on your heart. Do it. But listen to me. What God wants from me is for me to live this thing through thick and thin, prosperous or not prosperous. He wants me to keep living this thing. He wants me to keep moving forward. He wants me to keep affecting lives. He wants me to keep touching lives. And he wants the same for you. And he won't give up on me, and he won't quit on me. Mary went to her grave with people whispering behind her back. <laughs> but you and I are the product. You and I in 2000, think about that, 2018, almost 19, are still saying thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Oh, thank you. Now, we don't put her... In the place of deity, she's not deity. But for her human ability to be offered up and her heart to be offered, her life to be offered, she should be honored. The same as I want to honor you for the things you do for the body of Christ. And I want to leave you with this thought. What we do may seem insignificant at the moment. There had to be moments when changing diapers. Cleaning up after a little boy. 
And having that little boy be, I don't know if he ever was unruly or not. It's none of my business, but I do know he stayed behind when he shouldn't. He was a boy. He was God's boy, but he was a boy. And there had to be moments that wasn't pleasant. There had to be moments when daggers hit her heart when she'd come to see him and he said, who is my mother? Even though everyone else esteemed her, that's Mary, Jesus' mother, the believers. Yet when she came, he was so busy about the father's business, he didn't have time. And I know that's painful. Sometimes my family's had to see me sacrifice, and they've been on the other end of that sacrifice. To you, thank you for loving me enough to let me do what God's called me to do. Never once have they ever made me feel bad or guilty or like I was a bad person. I think they thought I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs a time or two. But they've always got behind the call. I want to get behind your call. I want to help you get to the finish line. I want to help you grow in your gifting and in your abilities. Because we got a town to change. For those of you who are streaming with us, God bless you. And you're not insignificant with the Father. His call is for you. You determine rather you're chosen. If you'll come to the altar and let him be your God, you'll be chosen. And all you have to do then is just let God be God in your life and live your life for him. I'm not just a minister here. This is where you see me. I'm a minister wherever I go. God's called me in some strange moments to do strange things. It's not natural in Walmart on aisle 13 in the middle of the beanie weenies to have prayer service. It's not natural. But it is God. It's not natural to sit underneath a bridge and put my arms around somebody that's odor is offensive. But it is God. It's not natural for me to give up of my time and my family to spend in hours and hours of counseling trying to help someone see the light. But it's God. And it's worth it all. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website, passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.